Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Creation Innovation Podcast. Today we have Dr. Justin Homan here. He is a urologist and fellowship trained male reproductive medicine and surgery specialist whose practice is focused on men's health, includes male hormone management, sexual and ejaculatory dysfunction, male fertility, male incontinence, and Pyrenees disease. As a minimally invasive microscopic surgeon, he specializes in mastectomy reversals, sperm retrievals, penile implants, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on, my friends. So please dig into his bio and all the places that we will let you know to find him after the podcast. But welcome, Justin. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell our audience what a urologist is versus what a reproductive endocrine urologist is. I'm so used to saying reproductive endocrinologist that it just comes out that way. So pardon me for saying that, but a yeah. urologist versus a reproductive urologist. So, um, uh, so you're urologist, as you can imagine. So we, we deal with every, every part of the urinary system from the kidneys to the bladder, to the prostate, um, and kidney stones, all the cancers associated with, with the, our urinary system. Um, and we see men and women and, and kids. It's a very small part of medicine, but it's very, very broad. There's so numerous subspecialties within urology. So one of the subspecialties is the infertility side. Um, because urology, um, we deal with the male, uh, we primarily deal with the male infertility, not so much the female side, but it's male infertility. So a reproductive urologist deals with male infertility in every aspect of it, from the medical hormonal, um, and then surgical diagnosis and treatment. And we see a lot of people, clients, patients that come to us that are starting to go down that road to discover perhaps it is on the male side rather than the female side, because as much as we are getting more and more educated, we still kind of generally start with the female first of figuring out what's going on there. What are the most common, I guess, signs, would you say, as far as if there could potentially be something going on with the male reproductive system. Yeah. So, it, you know, when it comes to, you're right. So about 50% of the time it's the male component or the male factor infertility, 50% of the time it's the female side. Um, and the, the issue is usually it's driven on the female side just because reproductive endocrinologists um, are the ones who usually drive that ship depending on, you know, what city you're in. But, um, and, the, and obviously when it, most couples, um, uh, the, the female is the one who's who's more proactive about trying to have a child. So usually it's on the female side, um, or at least in terms of the proactivity. Now, in terms of um, the things that you're asking, what causes it? I'm sorry. What are the things to look out for? Like how yeah, would, so how would a, a guy know, like maybe I should get this checked out other than the fact that their partner is saying, you need to go get yourself checked out so we can cross that off the list. Like are there yeah. other things that could come up that they'd be like, hmm. So, so the answer is not, not at all, really. So okay. you could, you could be very, very healthy 
and genetically just the hand you've been dealt is you'll never you're never able to produce sperm and then the, the on the, the opposite is you could be a very unhealthy person um, and you're producing tons of sperm and everything in between there's no symptom associated with infertility that's the that's the thing the only way you know you're infertile is the best way of knowing is doing a semen analysis and typically um, what I generally recommend is if you're having any infertility, if you're just struggling to conceive with your partner at four to six months, um, doing a semen analysis, it's just no harm. And now there's a lot of companies out there where you could just do a semen, a semen test at home. You, you know, you basically ejaculate into a cup, you mail it out to the, the company, they give you a result within a few days. That's the easiest way of testing yourself for infertility. And those are pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah, quite accurate, quite accurate. Definitely. Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. And as far as you saying there's no way to know, what would be the earliest time that you can check for your male fertility, so to speak, right? So with girls, we know since they start their cycle, like if they're having painful periods or they're they're too short or too long, like we know that there's something up at a young age. At what age can a guy, boy get tested for that so you know what's coming down the line, so to speak? There's no, there's no hard and fast rule on this. Anytime you okay. could get tested. Anytime, um, if you're worried, if you're, if you're a single guy in your 20s and you're worried about, you know, when, when COVID was going around, when, when COVID was much more rampant, when the COVID vaccine had a lot of um, controversy surrounding it, there was a lot of young guys who would come in just primarily to get tested to bank okay. their sperm. So there's no, there's no hard and fast rule. You could do it anytime. Um, check your numbers anytime, and it's. The worst thing, the, 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 it just costs a couple hundred bucks in order to do that test. Okay. So that's interesting. You guys saw an influx of young guys come in during that time to freeze sperm? Not, not only to freeze sperm, but to evaluate their fertility, to ask questions about fertility associated with COVID, associated with COVID vaccine, all of these different things. There was a lot of, um, you know, on social media, there was a big point. There was a lot of controversy surrounding, obviously, the vaccine. And then that spilled over into how it impacts fertility on both the male side and the female side. So there was a lot of there was a lot of that, yeah, during during the uh, the initial ramp up of the vaccine. Well, I'm so happy to hear that because I feel like guys sometimes get a bad rap, right? Like they only kind of dig into that when they're forced to. So to hear that, that's good. And I'm a mom of three boys, so I'm very much you know pro boys and all the things that I we can push them to to be better in whatever ways that looks like. So. As being a mom of three boys, are there any things that, I mean, other than diet and lifestyle and exercise, we, we, most of us know all of those things that do affect our sperm health, our egg health, all of that. But are there certain things that you would say as a guy, if you had, I don't know, maybe you do have sons, but that you would say to your friend or whoever, these are the things that I would suggest as somebody who's studied in this field and I specialize this, definitely do this and definitely do not do that. What are those things? Yeah, so um, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. But think of it like this: it's anything that's good for your heart is going to be good for your testicles, so it's going to be good for your sperm. So, um, like you said, diet, well balanced diet of complex carbohydrates. Um, you don't want too many sugars, lean fats, uh, or excuse me, lean proteins, and then healthy fats, so like the polyunsaturated fats. You know, that's that, that diet is good for everything. Your right. reproductive system is not. Uh, apart from that exercise being a big one, um, as well. Um, 20 minutes of exercise, um, at least every day, or at least you want to get your heart rate elevated to that point. Um, sleep at least seven hours of sleep. That's good for the hormonal health. Um, so hormones play a big role. Testosterone levels play a big role in good sperm function, good sperm health. 
Stress is the other one. When you're stressed out, your hormone levels get altered, your testosterone levels go down. So those are the mainstays, right? And then that's good for overall health. Um, and then when you're talking about, to, you know, sperm health, it's, um, it's your point about lifestyle, alcohol, um, cigarette smoking, those things all have a negative impact. But the big thing is testicular temperature. So you don't want to uh, put yourself in, in environments where you have increased testicular temperatures, especially when you're trying to conceive. So saunas, steam rooms, jacuzzis, all of these, they increase your testicular temperature, decreasing your sperm counts and decreasing the sperm quality. Now, the thing to remember here is you're, you're producing sperm um, every day. And the, by the time your, your sperm is going from the point of um, its conception to the point of ready, ready, being ready to ejaculate, it's about 71 days. So let's say two and a half months. So even if you are doing, if you, if you engaged in, let's say, you know, you went on in jacuzzis for a week straight, your sperm counts can have been negatively impacted, but it's temporary. It's transient. And just don't do that for the next two and a half, three months and your sperm counts will have improved. Yeah. I have seen that with clients of mine. They bought a house in the mountains and the husband was in the, the jacuzzi every night and then changed that. And it really did make such a big difference in, yeah. in the sperm, which is cool because I feel like with guys, for the most part, you can really measure that direct result of what they're doing. Not so easy for women as far as checking that, how, how is this affecting our egg health, right? We don't have that ability as easy as men do. And being yeah. somebody who loves data like I do, I, I am always fascinated by getting the numbers of like, okay, let's test this out and see how that goes. So you mentioned cigarettes. What about um, other types of smoking now that we have lots of other things out there that people are partaking in? Does that affect it or is it purely just mainly cigarette smoking? Yeah, so so marijuana, um, that's that's a um, interesting one in terms of the data on it. It goes both ways, um, partially because of you know everyone's biology is a little different, but also the way you're consuming it. So, um, like edibles, for example, are probably the healthiest way of, of consuming a marijuana. Um, smoking um, can negatively impact the lungs. All those we're, we're learning more and more about that, depending on you know if you're mixing other products, how you're smoking it from a vape from just the, you know, the, the marijuana itself. But ultimately, when it comes to the data on it, there's a little bit of data on both sides of the argument. So on one end, we know that excessive marijuana smoking can alter your hormone levels. So as I was talking about earlier, um, your your testosterone to estrogen ratio, every guy has a little bit of estrogen in, their, in our systems. That's just normal. We need estrogen. It plays a quite important role in terms of our um, hormone, homeo, hormone balance, but libido, sex drive, all of those things. Um, uh, estrogen plays a role in that. So it could throw off that balance um, and that can negatively impact sperms, how, sperm health, excuse me. Um, but on, on the flip side, because it's, you know, for, for a lot of people, for some people, excuse me, it's like an aphrodisiac kind of, um, mm. if there's anxiety associated with intercourse and whatnot, um, there's more increased frequency of intercourse. So when you're having more frequent, you know, more frequent sex, um, your chances of conception are higher. So um, it's a little bit, it's on both sides. Um, the best way I try to, you know, if, if you are somebody who's engaging in a lot of, you know, smoking a lot of marijuana, I would say, um, although it's legal in most states, if you're struggling to conceive and, and you're smoking quite regularly, I would say try to alter that, right? Either, you know, do everything in moderation or really try to you know, stop doing that while you're trying to conceive because that could be negatively impacting uh, your sperm health and your sperm counts. Right. And then stress. Unfortunately, I feel like men and stress kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways these days, unfortunately, not only with their work life, but also with 
trying to conceive, right? I mean, the amount of times that I've heard, like, all she wants from me is the baby, and it's anytime she's ovulating, then I'm having to perform, and then it causes this whole cycle of stress in that way, right? And then they're not able to make it happen because they're so worried about it, and it's it's a crazy thing. And if anybody's listening, I hear this all the time. You are not alone in this story, literally all the every couple who's trying to conceive naturally that goes through this has some version of the same story but how does that stress whether it's work related or whatever it is related directly impact not only the hormones like you mentioned but also just like the sperm quality itself and how easily is that to be able to turn around in that 71 days or are there do we not really know that i guess yeah so um so when it comes to stress, the, the same precursor hormone that goes towards your stress hormone, cortisol, that, that's the same one that's shared with testosterone production. So if you're okay. stressed out, you know, you're shunting most of that towards the stress hormone, therefore you're producing less testosterone. Now, we know intratesticular testosterone is very, very important to um, sperm health from a sperm, you know, the production of sperm, from the DNA of the sperm, from, you know, every, a lot of things about sperm. So um, when guys are on, well, one of the, you know, the first step of being evaluated for uh, infertility is to do a hormone assessment to see what your total testosterone levels are, to see some of the other hormones that, that are involved in, in testosterone production. And if they're, let's say you, you have low testosterone counts, um, there's ways in which we could boost it, naturally boost this. We're not talking about synthetic testosterone. We're not taking, talking about shots where you're taking shots of testosterone, testosterone gels, none of that. That, that actually, those things I just mentioned shut down your sperm production. We're talking about using medications that tell your testicles produce more testosterone. And by doing that, we're improving your sperm counts, improving your sperm um, health, improving the DNA of, the, of those sperm in order to uh, create a good, healthy environment for reproduction. And to go back to something you said earlier, four to six months of trying, is that kind of the standard for men? Like if they're not, because again, it's so hard, right? There's 50% them, 50% the other person. So if you've been trying four to six months and it's not happening, do you think you go to the next step for a guy or do you, like, what's the rule of thumb? So, uh, you know, there's, there's no rule of thumb here. So the World Health Organization says um, after 12 months, right, um, of trying. Now, look, I live in, you know, my practice here is here in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills. And there's a lot of people here who, um, you know, things, you know, they want, they're anxious about, you know, having a child. They're anxious about starting families. Um, so I would say it's less than that. There's, so there's no real rule of thumb. But if you're, if you're struggling, um, I would say at least, I mean, at six months for sure, you should see somebody, both you, right. both the male and the female partner. So the males come to a reproductive urologist like myself. And the female, you know, see an OB-GYN, see a reproductive endocrinologist right. um, just to make sure everything is okay. Because if there is, you know, there's no point in wasting time. Agree. That's what I say to all of our clients as well. That that rule of thumb for the 35 and under and 35 and over for six months to a year, I'm like, nobody wants to wait six months or a year to find out that they're having an issue. Like, let's get right. the lay of the land now and figure out exactly. where we're at to start. And then we'll go down the path once we know if we're all clear and everything. So there's no harm. There's no harm in checking early because all, you know, you, you could also, you could be, you could find out like if you're having like uncontrolled diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, something that you, you, you know, a silent, one of these silent things that could really impact your overall health. You could get that diagnosed much earlier as well. Right. And if you're with a doctor that won't test you because you haven't been trying that long, go to a new doctor. I always say. 
Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find any doctor who who's not willing to evaluate you. That's good to know on the men. For the women, they'll you're you would be surprised. A lot of them will say, "Well, come back to me after you've tried for six months, you know, yeah. or a year." And like you said, you know, especially we don't have uh, most of us don't have time to be waiting that long once we right. kind of get right. on the track. Right. Um. So when you're talking about the diet, lifestyle, supplements, all those things, are there certain aspects that can be helped and certain things that cannot be helped in regards to male fertility? Like what are some of the more common issues that you see that are not going to be touched by the fact that like they're doing all the things and they're still having issues? Yeah. So um, if you're having a hormonal issue, right, hormonal issues, like severe, low, severely low testosterone levels, um, that's not going to improve your fertility. You know, you, it's diet, diet and exercise can maybe boost it up a little bit. Um, so that could actually in, in reality, but that's going to take a while. Uh, it'll take a few months at the very least. Um, when, when we're talking about um, like a varicocele, which is varicose veins of the testicles, um, that increases the testicular temperature, which as we talked about, can neg negatively impact sperm health. There's no way diet and exercise will fix that. That requires surgical intervention where we go in there, we tie off those veins. Um, genetic issues. So um, there's probably hundreds of genes that control male infertility. In modern medicine, we only know of four. So when we test for those, and if you have a genetic issue of, of where, you're, where you're producing severely low sperm counts or no sperm at all, there's nothing we can do for that, right? There's no way we could fix that one. Um, and that is genetic, you said? That's a genetic issue. Yeah, some people are just okay. delta hand, mm -hmm. delta hand where they're unable to produce um, any sperm or severely, severely low sperm counts. Um, and in those situations, diet and exercise really don't push the needle at all or very little at best. Um, um, and then there's some other issues. Some people are born without a vas deferens. The vas deferens is what connects the testicles to the urethra, which allows you to ejaculate sperm. Some people are born without a vas deferens. So they're producing sperm, but nothing comes out in the ejaculate. So there's some anatomical issues um, that diet and exercise can't fix. There's some genetic issues as well. Um, but all in all, you know, if you're trying to become a father, um, fo focusing on that diet and exercise not only improve your chances of having of, of having a child but when you become a father you'll be healthier and more energy and you could really put more effort into or you could be a, a, the best version of yourself um, as you go into parenthood right and i think going back to 50 percent male 50 percent female that miscarriage rate right it was one in four in our country and that sometimes is because of the male quality of sperm. So exactly, the more that you exactly. can get into the, into the game being healthy, the better chances you are, if you know, having a healthy pregnancy. Precisely. So the, all those things that you just mentioned, are those invasive in order to figure out if you have any of that? Or do you start with the semen analysis and that kind of leads you down the road of like, okay, we need to test the next thing and the next thing. And how invasive are those? Again, we're coming from a world where we're used to all kinds of tests under the sun and they go from, they range from being super invasive to pretty easy ultrasounds and things like that. What does your world look like for guys? Yeah. So there's really three things. Um, you need three, three things to do as part of the comprehensive exam. It's, you need a hormone, you need a blood test, which is going to look at hormones and then depend, you know, and uh, genetic testing as well, um, depending on what your sperm counts are. Um, you need a semen analysis, obviously, to see where things are. And then a, a physical exam, a physical exam in the sense of seeing if you have a varicocele, see what's going on with the health of the vas deferens. 
Um, and that's just, you can see that visually from the doctor? Well, well you feel it. You feel it. Okay. Like you come in for an exam, you have to feel the scrotum and, and feel uh -huh. what's going on. Um, those are the three components. Uh, once you once you do those three, you get a very good sense of um, what's causing their infertility. Um, that really gives a complete picture in terms of di appropriately diagnosing and then figuring out the treatment plan depending on that diagnosis. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty easy as a starting mm -hmm. point. So that's mm -hmm. good. Okay. Good to know. Because I think, again, guys have this idea of, I don't know what that means and what does that look like? And I don't want to go down this road of something and to know that we can pass on information that it's not going to be, it's not going to hurt. It's going to be easy, um, will be helpful. So speaking of the hormones, you mentioned testosterone, estrogen. What are some of the other top hormones that men should look for to make sure that they're in balance and what are some of the signals to show that they're out of out of balance? I know you said libido, but what are some of the other things? Yeah, so testosterone, if your testosterone levels are low, um, uh, most guys are able to tell, you know, they're, they're having fatigue, their energy levels aren't great. It's like um, you feel like you have to take a midday nap, um, you're moody, um, you feel a little down and depressed, uh, libido is not, your sex drive is not great, your erectile function is not great. Um, losing hair, um, you're not able to exercise the way you used to. It's like you're exercise or either you're not exercising as much as you used to, or when you do exercise, you just don't feel the benefits of it when you, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm not gaining mass, I'm not getting you know, lean, whatever it is. And not everyone's going to have all these symptoms if they have low testosterone. Some guys just have one of those symptoms. Um, so if you have any doubt, if you have any doubt of having low testosterone levels, again, just get it checked out. It's a simple blood test. You go to your primary care doctor and get that done. Um, so that's the, you know, the testosterone is the big one. That's the main one. Now, can a guy tell he has low or high estrogen levels? Not really. Um, and then the other hormones that are involved in the whole hormone balance, those are just as part of the the, um, the test. But you can't really, um, you won't know um, if you have if you're high or low in any of those other ones. But testosterone is really the main one. Okay. And if somebody is seeing their primary and saying, I want to do a male hormone panel, will they be able to kind of determine from those labs? what's what, or is it better to see a reproductive under, or urologist in order to do that? For again, females, most regular primaries won't say go on day two or three of your cycle so we can actually see the hormone levels in the correct space. So is it different for men as far as like somebody would be able to say like, this is normal, this isn't, or is it just the lab telling them where it shows normal, not normal? The thing is, the thing is that the primaries, and, and this is all relative to where you practice and, you know, where you, where you, you live and where your physician is. But, um, you know, here where I practice, if, if there's any doubt of infertility, um, the, the, the primary will generally refer to a reproductive urologist um, because it's one thing to draw the labs, but once you draw the labs, you have to be able to interpret the labs. And right. because, because this is... Um, such a niche part of the hormone of endocrinology, what we do, and we call it andrology. It's, you know, it's ma the male hormones, it's so niche and it's so, um, it's a very small um, part of medicine. Very, very few people outside of, of you know, our subspecialty um, have any experience in terms of managing and then, um, or interpreting and then knowing what to do in terms of the, the different medications available. So um, yeah, you got to see somebody, you got to see a reproductive ur urologist um, if you are experiencing that. Yeah, I think as much as I love the primaries, I think when you are down the road of fertility and you're really trying to figure out some answers and whatnot, it doesn't hurt to see a reproductive urologist who can, you know, this is what they eat, breathe, and sleep with all day, every day. And 
I think the same for, because it is so niche, I find even in Orange County, there's a million fertility clinics, but there's only maybe like, there's very few reproductive urologists that we can refer to here. And we're, we're in like a major area. What do people do if they're in a location where there really isn't somebody who does that? What do you suggest? Yeah. So, um, making the drive for one, I mean, simply you're know, making the drive to see uh, usually the big academic institutions, bigger hospitals, no matter what city you're in, uh, will have the urology department, uh, will have somebody who's somewhat versed or very well versed in, in reproductive urology. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is these days, these days, um, like you could do a lot of this stuff at home, as I was mentioning. So you could, you could order a semen analysis test, right. To do at home. Um, that you can do a uh, a blood test. You could do blood tests at home as well. Um, you know, as part of that, you know, those three things I talked about, you're going to miss out on the physical exam. But essentially, once you have those data, those those two data points, you could you could schedule a telehealth visit or a telemedicine visit with a local reproductive or a, a reproductive urologist in your state. Um, the other thing is, there's companies out there that are addressing male fertility um, head on, or they're they're addressing these issues. Um, they have a whole network of it, like Bastion Health, B-A-S-T-I-O-N. Bastion Health is a company that's doing this. They're, they're, uh, they have a bunch of urologists in their system. They send you the semen analysis test. They send you the hormone panel. So they're able to diagnose infertility as well. Very cool. I think I'm, again, whether it's because I ended up having three boys or just because this is my passion, I feel equally driven to make sure that everybody's educated on both sides and seeing the right people for what they need to do. And to that point, leading into the mental health of the men on this journey, like what do you see from that perspective or do they not really talk to you much about how it's affecting them mentally if they're going through reproductive struggles? Um, it's, you know, it's a great question. Um, and I think very few guys talk about it, but, um, it could be it could be quite uh, difficult for a guy to hear that um, you're not producing any sperm, and there's no way that you you will ever be able to produce sperm, right? Um, so that part is quite difficult, and I, and the the how it impacts their mental health and how it impacts their relationship is is it, it varies from couple to couple, but it, you know, and some people struggle with that pretty significantly because. Um, Ultimately, you know, in some situations, it requires them to, you know, adopt or use donor sperm, like different things where um, didn't necessarily go according to plan or what they expected as, as part of their life, um, you know, right. what they were, how they were planning on starting right. a family. Everybody thinks they're going to be told that, right? You always exactly. think you better be careful because you're going to get somebody pregnant, not, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Right. Right. So in that sense, it can be quite difficult for some couples and for some men. Um, I would say that's a subset. You know, most of the time we're able to, you know, with with IVF and ICSI, even if we have some sperm, we're able to help uh, conceive or, you know, create an embryo and then ultimately pregnancy. Um, but in some situations, like, um, like this past weekend, I did a case, I did a sperm extraction and, um, you know, we, we spent hours looking for sperm in the testicle. We couldn't find any. Um, just because if you genetically dealt with that hand, like, um, and it's tough to tell, obviously from my standpoint, it's tough to tell patients, but dealing with that from a patient standpoint could be very, very challenging. You're very, um, yeah, it could really affect you negatively. Right. And 
I bring that up because I think that, again, women are generally better. I won't say all the time, but generally better at talking about these things with friends or family or whoever, whereas men as a whole probably don't talk about it as much, but also to know that you are not alone. And, you know, I'm sure Dr. Hellman's having lots of patients every day come in and out of his office for various things. And so as much as you think that you feel this may be, you're the only one who's going through this, you're not. Um, just people aren't talking about it. And part of talking about it is bringing awareness for the next guy to not feel like they're alone on the, on the path. So, so that's so well said, right? I, I, 100% exactly. Like you, you'd be surprised how many people are actually dealing with infertility. And I could just tell you, I'm one provider, right? I'm one provider in a, in a big city. And I see a ton of it day to day, week to week, month to month. I can only imagine what my colleagues who do this in the same city are seeing and, and worldwide, right? Or nationwide, worldwide. So if you are experiencing it, you know, in some ways, it's a tough pill to swallow. But the earlier you do something, the earlier you, you appropriately diagnose, treat, intervene, all of that, the better better off you are um, going forward. Yes, I agree. So again, for the question about, I'm going back to my three boys and the the idea that we're always told that they don't hurt themselves and or affect their testicles, how likely is somebody to actually get trauma to the point where it would actually affect their reproductive system? Trauma from? From, you know, riding a bike or a ball, baseball oh. or, you know, whatever, you know, a yeah. physical trauma to that area. Like, is that, I mean, I know growing up we're even like, oh, that, that's going to be a problem. Like, how often is it actually a problem where it hurts somebody to the effect that it, it changes their fertility? Yeah. So really it's, um, if the trauma is so bad where you, you fracture your testicle, so the testicles oh, contain, I didn't even know that was, a yeah, thing. yeah. T testicular fracture is a real thing. So your testicles contain, so your testicle really is composed of tubules. We call them seminiferous tubules. They produce testosterone and sperm. Um, and they're all encased in this, um, we call it a, it's, it's just a call. It's, it's a, it's a very tough, um, film that's wrapped around it. Um, and obviously that's within your scrotum, your scrotum has different layers to it, muscle and all that stuff. Um, in rare situations, um, the trauma is so bad that you guys, that, that the, the, the wrapping, um, that testicular, the testicular fracture will occur. So it'll pop open, the tubules spill out and there's bleeding. So that's an emergency from our standpoint, it's a surgical emergency. We have to go in there, um, and essentially close that, that wrapping, um, in situations bleeding like that, from where? So, how, sorry, like bleeding from the outside or bleeding like when they urinate? Like how? No, 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 from the testicle. Their, their scrotum oh. will expand. Okay, actually, you know, the testicle. Oh yeah, because you're you're causing um, the blood vessels there. The blood vessels there are popping, so you're essentially okay. you, you're bleeding out. Uh, so we have to go in there and close it up. Um, in some situations, as a result of that, so without getting too too complex here, is your sperm cells are. are protected from your immune system. Uh, your immune system doesn't go inside your testicles because uh, as you can imagine, you're producing all this new DNA in your sperm every 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 day. And if your, your body and your immune system will eventually find it, will attack it if it had access to it because that DNA is foreign. So our bodies are, have this complex system where there's a barrier between our immune system and our, our um, testicles. However, when you pop that, you create this testicular fracture, those two systems are exposed. And we create something called anti-sperm antibodies, 
right? That happens as a result of testicular fractures. So to what extent will that impact fertility? It can. In some cases, it could severely impact fertility. In some cases, it can't. Um, but those traumas overall, overall, those traumas can decrease your sperm, your sperm health and your, your fertility potential. Um, but given our technology and what we are able to do these days, it rarely has like a long lasting permanent impact on your fertility. There's always uh-huh. ways where we could improve that. Yeah. Great. And is that type of frac- fracture pretty rare or is it more common? Yeah. It's, no, it's pretty rare. I mean, you, you, we typically see it. Um, you know, the, the typical one or the one we see mostly it's guys who ride motorcycles because the, the gas tank is right in front of them. So if they get into a motorcycle crash as they move forward, their mm-hmm. scrotum is hitting that tank. Um, and, you know, sometimes the testicle fractures as a result of that. Ouch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, any other advice that you would give to guys out there that are trying to conceive and are feeling a little bit stressed either from the perspective of maybe their own situation with maybe not being able to perform to the degree that they need to during that ovulation period or whatever else, just advice from a specialist in this field? Yeah, two things. I mean, like I'll, I'll repeat what you said earlier. If you are experiencing fertility, um, the earlier the earlier you you see somebody, you see a doctor about it, reproductive urologist about it, the early the better off you will be. Uh, no question about that. And then the second thing is always I always try to educate patients on this, and this is something that a lot of patients just don't know is um, testosterone. These you know shots, injections. Anytime you're getting testosterone from the outside world, that has a negative impact on fertility. It's, it's a temporary impact, but I can't tell you how many times in a given week a guy will come to me, a young guy in his twenties or thirties, and he's like, I'm not producing any sperm. And then when you talk to them, it's because he's on testosterone and they don't know that, right? When they're on testosterone, your testicles shut down production of sperm. So um, if you are trying to get on testosterone at, at a young age in your 20s or 30s and you're still thinking about fertility down the road, there are other options to boost the testosterone while also preserving your fertility. So um, these clinics, these testosterone clinics don't educate guys about that at all. Um, and it creates struggles, fertility struggles for a lot of couples. So um, just be, knowing that risk before you get uh, get on testosterone is important. And is is that kind of masked as other called other things for people sometimes? Because I wonder if the reason I ask is I've seen probably a handful of clients through the years where they're they'll come to me and say, "My I didn't know my partner was taking this, but it turns out it's a type of testosterone or steroid or something, and therefore I'm we're not getting pregnant because of him." But if someone were to find this or ask their partner, is it just straight up testosterone or is it called anything else that they would need to be aware of? Does that make sense? Yeah. So any, any like anabolic steroid or testosterone, not testosterone boosters don't impact your, your fertility like that, right? They don't have a negative impact for the most part. Listen, I can't tell there's tons of supplements and herbs out there. Some of them may negatively, but generally speaking, when you say testosterone booster, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about, either, you know, testosterone cypionate, testosterone enanthate, these are the ones that, these are the more commonly used um, testosterone boosters or any anabolic steroid. These could all imp- neg- they right. negatively impact your fertility for sure. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important for women to be aware of what their partner is taking and vice versa when you're on this path, right? I, I remember when we were doing it, my husband and I, you know, I had my supplements all lined up. I did his for him too. But it's really important to know because also there are some over the, not over the counter, but prescription medications, I believe that also can affect sperm health. For sure. Definitely. 
So just have that awareness of what everybody's taking and check with your doctors to make sure that it's not counterproductive to what you're trying to do in building your family. Precisely. Exactly right. Well, where can people find you who are listening? Yeah, you can find me online. You know, I have, a, I have a pretty big social media presence. You could just Google my name, Justin Human, M-D, H-O-U-M-A-N is my last name. Um, uh, and I think that's how we met via social media. So yeah, there's um, anywhere you could, if you have questions or if you want to see me in consultation, uh, my phone number, direct message, any any of the ways in which to access me, we could get you set up. Awesome. Yeah. Lots of great educational information on his Instagram. So have your guy follow or you follow and you can pass that information on to your partner. But thank you for doing what you do and educating the world out there on men's health. Likewise. Likewise. And thanks for the time. Yeah. Have a great rest of your week. You too. You too. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.